three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. And now, here's your host, the one, the only, Asher Chua. Welcome to the podcast, Rick. It's good to be here today. I'm very honored. Um, we met briefly one time, and then all of a sudden I masked on your, your program. But ever since we met and I learned that you do this podcast, I've listened, and, and you meet some amazing people. Thank you very much. It's funny. Um, just to let people know how we, we met, I think it was back when I, I decided to drive Uber for a period of two months, and I was living in North Georgia. And I was like, let me go down to Atlanta. They seem to need more Uber riders. And like I went down, turned on the Uber app, and you happen to be one of my guest riders. And I was like, hey, it's an opportunity for me to kind of chat, take you where you need to go, and then I guess get to see a little bit of Atlanta. That's great. And I love the fact that we had a conversation. That doesn't that doesn't always happen in an Uber, but you know, um, I, I'm kind of like you. I, I love to talk to people and, and in a very brief time, and you didn't take me very far, but in a very brief time, we changed enough information. You kind of knew what I did and I knew what you did and I've watched your podcast ever since. So thank you, know, you. say hi to people when you, meet them. <laughs> that's a great point. And just to introduce you to the audience, I always like to ask this question. Who do you say you are? Who do I say I am? Well, uh, I'm I'm an old man who is retired. Um, I I am a, I'm a gentleman. I hope a gentleman who had a great career in teaching and in an area of video production, which I absolutely loved. Um, spent my whole life in a small community, rural community in Indiana. When I retired ten years ago. Uh, I friends coaxed me to come to Atlanta and I was coming here as a retired person. And suddenly because of video, mm-hmm. there was so much to do. And so um, I, I'm, I, I am a person who's had a great career and is now enjoying very much uh, this second part or last part of my life. So uh, that, that's me. Love life. Love people. That's pretty cool. How, how did you get into video production? Well, um, that's very interesting. And, you know, it's interesting where you picked me up that day at Uber. Mm, um, that's right. I that's had right. the ultimate old man job there with video. It was at a place called buyavet.net, and they sell classic Corvettes. In mm. fact, they are now the largest reseller of classic Corvettes in the world. And um, they, they sell a lot of cars. But that's great. I get to go down and do their sales videos and get to, to be around those Corvettes all the time. So that's a fun thing. That's, that's <laughs> kind of where I am now. And we do a lot of other things. But, um, you know, when I was in high school, this is going to sound so strange. But when mm-hmm. I was in high school, we had now I graduated in 1972. And in our high school, back in the clinic, some company had donated a video camera, black and white video camera, which they were large at that time, and a reel-to-reel video recorder, which was really crappy. (laughs) The images were crappy. But, you know, there was something about that. And we got cable TV in our town at the same time. And the cable company let us record shows at that 
on that little recorder, take that recorder, which was big and heavy, down to what we called the head end where the, the cable tower was with a little cement block building below it and plug that in once a week and show some programs. And it was amazing when everybody in our little town would see you the next day, they'd say, I saw you on TV last night on that channel, you know, which was the beginning of public access. And um, then I graduated high school, doggone it. And my career, I wanted to be in video. So I went to college classes for video. And then uh, believe it or not, I came back and helped with that little station, which got because the kids were doing community programming, parades, basketball games. They'd take the thing up and do counseling. It became so popular that I went back and kind of helped when I was commuting to college at Ball State University in Indiana. And all of a sudden, it got big enough that they needed to hire someone. So I got to do that job. I got hired, which was both teaching classes and managing the public access side of that, which came through our school. And um, we eventually became a magnet school for five different school corporations for video production. Um, and believe it or not, that access station just celebrated its 50th year and is going stronger than ever. The studio is still at the school. It's a, an amazing place. Uh, and they're building a, the city and the city is building another remote studio in a big building downtown on the main corner, which is being totally remodeled for that. They've got like, you know, $700,000 in grants to make this happen. So, that's where it was. It was exciting to be a part of media, video production, where you just weren't practicing it in school. You were actually making a difference in, in your community. And the kids loved that. The kids absolutely loved that. Students did. I did. Students yeah. did. Community did. Yeah. Businesses did. They all supported it. So that's a, that's a long thing for where I got started in it. And that's, that's where I started. And that's we came pretty cool. It. So it's like, like you said, just starting that in the seventies the as you're coming out of high school and seeing like, I guess that's when someone's like, Hey, I saw you on TV. And, and it's, it's like a big deal. Like, Oh, wow. Like you might like, you're somebody important. Like I'm seeing you like broadcast and that's, that just, that's wild to think about because I, I, I spoke with someone that, he's into um, film production. So he, he helps makes, make short films and, and things like that. And he explained to me what it was like going to the movies for the first time and like having that whole experience and just being like, wow, people can actually do this. And that, that's just that, that interaction with film seems to be something that's very cool. And, and something else that you mentioned, like public access TV, I don't know if a lot of people know what that is but i was kind of introduced to it watching someone on youtube that came from the public access um era where that's how essentially they started they got into movie reviews and then they do they still do movie reviews now but they'll talk on like pop culture topics and things like that but they transition very smoothly into podcasting but like can you explain what public access TV is or was? Well, well, actually, you're doing public access TV. It just takes on a whole new thing in, anymore. But, you know, you have to remember that back in the 70s and the 80s and even into the 
well, I would say to around 2000, you know, we didn't, we didn't have all the YouTube, the availability of all this equipment to do what we do so easily and the access to YouTube and Facebook, as far as we could post pictures and stuff, but we really didn't do much video back in the seventies and eighties. And even the nineties TV was still an expensive thing with expensive equipment. You had to go somewhere to do it, a studio or the equipment you took with you was, was large and, and cumbersome, but public access started when cable companies came into being. And the cable companies have to pay a fee to cities to use their their underground or their poles or however to get the cables to. uh, so, So those fees were used to provide communities the ability to have a TV station of a small TV station and put their own things on. And believe it or not, public access is still here today. And there's a whole group of it that, that, that are fighting so hard with the city of, not fighting, encouraging the city of Atlanta. Atlanta had a great one called People TV. And all the civil rights leaders used it. They came on in about the, the middle 80s. All of those people used it. And it was fantastic. Then it kind of declined. And a lot of cities declined. But public access today is still vibrant in communities right. to make it vibrant because um, it's not just being on cable TV anymore. Mm-hmm. Public access has a new name. It's simple. We call it community media. I don't refer to public access because it gives you the funding to have studio facilities. And um, but it's also Internet, having your Facebook, YouTube, all the online stuff that public access or community media does today. So it's still there. And I'll tell you another thing I truly believe. We all talk about we cut the cable. Okay, so that whole public access cable team, we're not really cutting the cable at all. We will eventually very shortly down the road, but um, I don't have cable TV. I'm using Internet and I have all my local stations on the Internet from a streaming service that I use. But you know what? That cable still comes into my building and into my apartment here and then Wi-Fi takes over. So we're really not cutting the cable yet. Um, and, you know, that's delivered the same way, whether you have Comcast, AT&T, Google Fiber. Now, you may know more about this than I do because I haven't researched it, but um, T-Mobile is actually having a uh, media streaming service internet connection that's being done via data, totally being data like you would get your phone, which is which is fine. And that's great. And that's where we're probably going to but that's what public access was, community media. Um, right. And people all over the country were able to use it. There were some crazy shows on there. Um, <laughs> but really, basically, we're doing that same thing today yeah. with um, all of yeah. the different podcasts and online and everything. The only thing I, I, I hate that I think is coming around someday, I don't hate anything about it, I love it, but mm-hmm. um, is that when we used to watch TV, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on cable or whatever, or, or we could always go to, we always had an idea that the shows were there and where mm-hmm. they were, and, right. and they were kind of connected in some way. And today, everything is just out there. I run on the new programs I love every day yeah. that have been around for a long time that I never knew existed. So there's so much and it's so big. I I wish we had a better way to connect with right. what's out there. But but anyway, so that's yeah. what public access was. It, it, it was a way for average people to do things that we couldn't do because we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have internet. We didn't even have computers, you know, until mm-hmm. the, the, the middle end of the 80s. And of course, not our cell phones and all this technology. So um, it was a way for people to 
to, to get on the air and be a part of their community. And, and it was a lot of fun. And, and it served a really good purpose. Right. And we're doing that today still with all the things like you're doing. That's pretty, that's pretty neat. And to your point with, with the amount of just the volume of stuff and information that you can consume, it, it does get overwhelming at times. But I think what I've started to see, and I'm sure it's been around similar, like you may have um, cable networks going away, but now you have podcast networks where like people will kind of team up and say, okay, this is, um, for instance, I've seen some, I keep up with mixed martial arts. So there's one called like MMA fighting and they have like their network, their reporters and things like that. But then they'll have different shows like Monday and Wednesday, they have a show and it's someone that's um, kind of doing radio interview interviewing fighters from around the world another day they'll do like a table table talk which is what you kind of see on espn like around the horn or just have people kind of have this like friendly debate they'll have points that they make up and things like that otherwise they'll have like fan interaction where they'll use i think is is it twitter spaces that's supposed to be the equivalent of clubhouse where you can have people come in through audio and then they're like, hey, here's the topic. Let me know your questions. I'll respond like the same way people would just call into a radio show and be like, hey, like call a number one. What's your thing? And it's it's interesting to see how things kind of move and shift with the change of technology. And you see just like something older becoming new. And the people that have either seen both can adapt with it. Like some people might be resistant to it. And then you have maybe... Younger people that might be like, oh, this is the like the greatest thing. But like, I think there's something to be gained when you can see where something came from and kind of study the history behind it, because then it gives you a better appreciation for what it is that you can do and what it is that you not only what was done before, but what you can do with what you have now, because it's it's like you don't have to reinvent the wheel necessarily. And just seeing a lot of people nowadays just use a platform or use a network to like be transparent or just to be authentic, like whether it's a talk show or something, you have people actually like engaging in a type of conversation. But other times it's like if something's got way too many hands in it, it's buttoned up. It's kind of like same over and over, over and over, but like having that that ability to choose and kind of having a an idea of what you're getting from where and knowing like okay this is connected to this and that's connected to that now you you get a nice plate to eat from so to speak yep and you know you just mentioned the one word that those describes exactly what I was kind of talking about when you said there are these networks now hmm. and and that's exactly right and Back in the back in the days of TV, you know, we had the ABC network, CBS mm -hmm. network, the whatever network on radio, TV and everything. Yeah. And all those were were a whole conglomeration of individual stations that came together under one thing. And they had general program they could choose from. They could do their own programs. But it was that mm -hmm. network that gave them this this bigger, you know, uh, way to to uh, advertise and, and yeah. be a part of. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about. Can I, can I, can I give a little um, promotional thing for something? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's 
right over my shoulder here. I'm so blatant. <laughs> it's terrible. This is Atlanta Video Network. And we have just recently started with that kind of thing in mind um, to kind of replace in the city of Atlanta that, that not replace, but to another alternative to that public access. And we started doing our own programs uh, during uh, COVID. Uh, we would have do interviews and we would set up and do the interviews on our desk that I wouldn't be a part of. I would just organize and have two people in interviewing each other. And we would do shows like that uh, from the Fox with the Fox theater, Emory health uh, uh, and old journalists who used to be on the NBC uh, channel here in Atlanta, Maynard Eaton. And he would do a weekly show. And we started putting those things on Atlanta video network. And so this is where we're building this now as kind of a way for um, to have that network thing where, where people can have their shows. And we don't want anything from their shows, uh, but we, we have a new way on our website for them, just like you would do on YouTube to upload their programs, as long as we have approved them doing that, upload their programs themselves and title them, and, and then they're there on that network. And so, so we're trying to do that kind of little thing in, in building that up a little bit. That's and I'm cool. looking forward to that with political season coming up. Oh my, this is going to be fun. This is so, going to be fun. So I guess with that, like you mentioned setting it up during um, COVID times with, because I, I met you right before everything shut down. I want to say it was it had to be late 2019 before 2020. So like, yeah. what, what was that time like from, January 2020 on and like with things shutting down in March and you guys kind of putting this together and actually like still being able to produce something for people to interact with and engage with. Yeah, well, COVID all started for me. Me in the, the last day of February in, in mm. 2020, I one of the video things I did here, I worked for the SCLC, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, which is the mm. organization that Martin Luther King did all of his civil rights work with. And, and he was oh, president wow. until he's fascinated. And they're located just a block from me. So mm. I work for their current president every week. But I went to Selma to the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge mm -hmm. in 2020. They always go that. We shot video there with all the political candidates, you know, and everything. That, you know. But the thing of it was, uh, just a few weeks later in March, I had COVID. I got really, really sick. And that was at the beginning when we really didn't know. They weren't even giving you tests at that time. <laughs> but anyway, through all that, I had it. And uh, I was really sick for about three or four weeks. But when I came back, everything was shut down. We weren't doing Corvettes anymore. The SCLC, we obviously couldn't meet with any of those people. So that's where um, we took one of the programs that I had on my, my computer. And I said, hey, guys, um, we can do this from your home in Alabama and your home on the west side of Atlanta. And I can put, so let's try it. So we did it. Mm. So it was with the SCLC. We first started doing our weekly program again as interview programs. And then that just kind of picked up and we started doing that for more people for some churches where they had special programs. Um, and so that's where the idea came up. And you know, from COVID also, and I think we saw it on TV, mm -hmm. when you saw shows on news shows on NBC, ABC, wherever, Fox News, wherever, they were very particular about the kind of video they had. And all of a sudden it changed. They were doing interviews with people on Zoom right. and so forth. And it didn't look as good, but the interesting thing was the message was getting across yeah. and people yeah. loved it. So, you know, they still do that today. And it's also caused um, all of the people involved in the technology to up the game a little bit. And we even see that with Zoom. 
right. Zoom is, 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 is the very basic system, but boy, it's improved and the things you can do with it. So program wise and technology wise, um, uh, COVID gave us uh, new opportunities and all of that to be better. Yeah. So that's a good, that's a good point because it's um, a lot of things were, I guess a lot of things could have been lost, so to speak, but I, I think a lot of things were learned also from that time. And we're still feeling the, the echoes of that now. And like talking about mental health or just really what you do with your time, like people with work-wise, it's like, okay, like, so I don't have to go into the office. So it's like, why, why do we have this again? But then also having that, that human interaction and really wanting to connect with people when you can't physically be in someone's space. And then finally seeing someone in like, wow, okay, it's you. It's like, this isn't in person, but like at least seeing you through video after so many years, it's like, it's, it's refreshing. And it's nice to be like, okay, like we both made it through, like we're doing something that we enjoy and we can, we can converse about it and really make an effort to figure out how to get help in other ways that we might need it. And something that I really did within the last year or two was do a lot of personal work, just either like speaking with someone professionally, a good friend that I met kind of through the podcast, but before the podcast and really addressing how it is that I view myself and like taking the time to be like, okay, here's what I'm going to do for me before I try to do that for somebody else. And then here's how much time I'm going to put into this. And instead of like, okay, I got to post, I got to do this. I got to do that. It's like the better I've done at doing less or just doing better at doing what I need to do when I need to do it the more feedback I've gotten back from people unexpectedly to where I'm like, okay, like um, I've done a better job of like recording a couple on the weekends and kind of like putting it away and like building up a nice backlog to where it's like now when someone listens, they can kind of paint a better picture of like, oh, this is what what's happening. Like here's where he was months ago or a year ago. But then also being able to go back and kind of like have a conversation with someone or, or glean information from a conversation that was from like a year ago or two years ago. It's like, okay, I, I see how I've, I've changed personally and just, um, just re- really learned from that, that that's been pretty neat. And, you know, you have a special place as a broadcaster um, with your podcast in that, as you talk about you, you yourself improving and, and improving in a lot of ways. I, I assume you feel that you've improved a lot in, in your demeanor, how you, you are on the air and how you're comfortable with interviewing other people, because that's when you can draw things out of people who don't do this on camera every day in, yeah. in a show type thing. They do Zoom calls and that stuff. But, you know, it's a whole nother thing when you have somebody on as a guest mm-hmm. um, because they're having to be on, you know? And so um, you make them feel comfortable and, and you can lead that conversation where a lot of people get on the camera in this kind of situation and they don't have much to say. Right. 
it, you know, so, so I do. How, yeah. how do you, how, do you, how uh, have you went back and looked at and boy, now I'm suddenly the interviewer. <laughs> have you went back and looked at any of your uh, first oh, yeah. video <laughs> things you do? And do you ever feel like you'd like to take those down, but don't ever do I, it? I've, I've thought about it. Like, I think some that I, I did take down on YouTube was maybe from a, um, just a, a courtesy perspective or like a presentation perspective. But one thing that I did working with someone that helps me do editing is like making sure and recording what's recordable by video, some were just audio only, but like making short clips and putting them on Instagram. And with TikTok coming out, I've started to put some stuff on there, like keeping up with what's current. I think now it's like, this coming week will be episode 113. And I think this might be that what we're recording is like 144 or 143, something like that. Mm-hmm. But like seeing, I just scrolled through the timeline and I was like, oh, like this day last year or this day two years ago, I recorded this episode. So let me pull this clip and just reshare it as like a throwback Thursday. And I look where I started, like, in a basement room like at my parents just like no lighting like I got the ring light now and I was like kind of comfortable I was sitting off to the side I had the whiteboard crooked over there I remember someone telling me something about it. it's like some people are just going to be so focused on that and like just hearing the nervousness in my voice I could tell like okay you've gone through so many but I can tell when I got comfortable and where I was like very uneasy, but like listening through it and and being like, Oh, I really don't want to put that out there. I don't want to keep it. I was like, no, like you can't, you got to keep to what you said you were going to do. Like you started something, you're doing it to create, you're doing it to learn, you're doing it to express and to meet other people and you're doing it not to present perfect. So it's like, if you said that this is how you wanted to present, let it, just let it leave, live in the ecosystem and stop trying to go and tinker because I'll be on the website, on, on my website and just like edit this, like try to organize the guests and be like, is it easier if people scroll through it or do I need to make it to where it scrolls by itself? Or I was like, no, just put it out, let people figure it out. Like, like you tweak it, just put one thing up a week, one thing up a week and kind of let things tell their own story over time instead of like constantly trying to control. But to answer your question, I, I've definitely gone back and watched the very first and early episodes and the better I'm learning to appreciate myself, the less cringing I'm doing and the more I'm kind of remembering the lessons and being like, okay, this, this happened that year, this happened this month. Like, I don't need to repeat the same thing that I already did. And you know, it's the old thing you have to, you have to, the only way you can be better at this particular game is to do it. Yeah. Just hit, hit record. I have a friend I always watch on, on that does training for, for YouTube videos or anything. He says, just do it. Just hit yeah. record. And uh, that's so true because the shows we do right now, mm-hmm. in a year from now, 
we can look back on those and say, oh, gee, that I really, you know, <laughs> because it's always going to get better and you're always going to improve. But you have to start because there is no other way to get good at it except to really do it. So that's that's so true. And it's like, I think something a friend of mine said, we were, we were talking about his time doing um, being an instructor at a strength at a um for strength and conditioning but he does rock climbing but he's trying to explain to people why it is that you have to lift weights in order to build that muscle it's like some people don't want to go to the gym and lift weights because they're like oh i i just think i'm gonna get swollen and buff and it's like really are you you that arrogant to think that just because you touch the weight you're gonna balloon up and be like arnold schwarzenegger and it's like you there are things that you have to be willing to do but kind of put your ego to the side and see like what's the functionality of what you're doing and when you kind of understand the functionality of movement when it comes to weight training that can translate to the activity that you enjoy doing, which may be rock climbing or something else. And now it's like you're able to prevent yourself from getting injured. You're able to live a better life as time goes on because of the aches and pains that you would normally have. You, you, you balance your body by building up strength. Right. Yep. Yep. Just do it. Just yeah. do it. I like the, the uh, map of, Indiana that you have over your, your left shoulder or right shoulder. Yeah. Some friends here um, bought me that because they found it in a thrift store somewhere and, <laughs> and they bought that for me and gave me that to as a Christmas present. And my little hometown is actually on there. So nice. Yep. That's nice. a fun thing. And you know, I love this right here. Mm. This should be a familiar building to you. I have seen it. What is it That's called? One of the what? Two, three tallest buildings in Atlanta, right downtown. It's the 191 Peachtree with the two big square things on the top right. of it. Whenever you're anybody's looking for set ideas, you know that look in the strange that that was rolled. That is an actual architect's rendering from mm. the big portfolio they present to a company uh, for the building of that building. And I went to a uh, an estate sale one time, and there were all these rolls in a in a tub over here in the corner. Nobody mm -hmm. was looking at it. Oh, I bet there's some kind of prints and they were prints. And then there was this one with this fancy film over the front of it. I could see it sticking up out of the roll. And I unrolled that and I rolled it right back up. And it was this one. And I said, well, how much do you want for this? And they said, Oh, nobody's even touched those. Go ahead and take it. So I bought this big frame for it. So that's kind of my, one of my Atlanta wow. here, my desk. Yep. So that's, that's, that's really great. So I guess what um, what is it like for you being a teacher of film and kind of showing students like um, things things like that like that map and saying like okay hey this is where this comes from before things got digitized this is how like do you try to teach your or have you tried to teach your students like the history of film or do you focus more on like the current day stuff and just be like, Hey, here's what you need to know. Don't worry about where it came from kind of thing. Um, when I was in college, of course, with the first course we have to take is this whole history of television, you know, mm -hmm. 
And I enjoyed it, but a lot of the things could get boring. So I never wanted to be boring with our students. But, you know, there is so much just kind of like we talked about where I started Mm -hmm. so much in the beginning of television um, that was was exciting. Actually, it was an exciting time. People were trying stuff new. Oh, wow. Just like we're doing today. Mm -hmm. So try to relate that history today to today. That's what I always try to do. And, um, and where I lived in a little hometown, right across from the school was a mm-hmm. lady. Her name was Halaloki. She was a Hawaiian lady who sang. And in the 1950s, she, how she ended up in our little hometown, I don't know. But in the 1950s, she was on the number one CBS television show in the country as a singer, uh, uh, the Arthur Godfrey show. And he had several people on his show at that time. And he was number one, 8 p.m. CBS uh, all across the country. Um, and it was fun for her to talk to the students about how she got into it, how TV was in those days. Um, my uh, next door neighbor was uh, an older gentleman in our town who happened to be the uncle of the movie director, Robert Wise. Maybe you've never heard of Robert Wise. He directed movies like the, and produced The Sound of Music, West Side Story, The Andromeda Strain, 2001, a couple of the Star Trek movies. He was one of the all-time greats. In fact, yeah. there's, an, there's an old black and white movie called Citizen Kane. It mm. was a very popular, <laughs> very well-renowned as one of the all-time great films. And he was a young man in Hollywood working at the studio And he happened to be working in the department uh, where the editing was being done and the editor quit. Hmm. And because he was there with the editor every day, they allowed him to continue the editing work. And he did a great job at it. If he hadn't, they would have got somebody else, but he did a great job. And he ended up being the editor of Citizen Kane. And then his career just expound, you know, just exploded. But, but anyway, so, you know, again, there, that's like meeting people you you get to meet uh, and he would come and visit all the time. Mm-hmm. And so got to meet him and always talk to him and share those things with students. So think about students. Yeah. History is important because, mm-hmm. um, because not only was it important then, <laughs> but right. we're doing the same history today. And that's the most exciting thing about today. Most powerful mm-hmm. thing we have is right here. Yeah. Right here today. And uh, I wish people would put it to, uh, to better use. <laughs> I guess is it, does it make you feel any kind of way when you um, when you see someone using a tool when it comes to video and they don't quite know what to do with it? You're like, man, if you only knew. It is frustrating. Yeah, that's that's really frustrating. You know, when I first moved to Atlanta, I came from a small area mm-hmm. and uh, 10 years ago, um, I started going to every parade or anything, any any event in town I wanted to go see just so Mm -hmm. I could see what was going on. And I would see all these young people out Mm -hmm. here with these six, $7,000 Canon, Sony cameras and the DSLR cameras. And and I would just, I was so excited at first. And then I felt that frustration because I was watching what they were doing and how they were handling. I never put anybody down for, especially younger people and what they do because- how they do, but you know, there's just sometimes, you know, what they're doing is, is, well, that's going to be interesting to see when they're done. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it is a little frustrating a little bit, but uh, one of the things we do that we're just going to start with the SCLC 
Mm -hmm. Southern Christian leadership with their chapters across the nation is teaching them, the chapters, how some of their ordinary chapter members Mm -hmm. could take their phones with a tripod, with a little adapter that very easily lets you have an external microphone on here, and how they can actually use that to record some of the very spectacular things they're doing in civil rights and voting rights and all of that, and, and use their phones to share their chapter information on their sites better, yeah. you know, and another thing that I wish older people would do, uh, my friends is family histories mm-hmm. and just reminiscing. Uh, I'm, I'm right now. I have my other phone on a little tripod in front of me and that's how I'm doing the zoom with you. I do have an external mic here, but I, I if people would just, everybody says, oh, I don't want to be on camera. No, no, no. I don't record me. I, I can't record myself. Yet they take selfies 26 times a day. <laughs> um, but how wonderful it would be if I could pick up a phone and look mm-hmm. at something my grandmother had recorded. And I could hear her talk today to me and see her on camera. And she was born in 1893. I knew my great, I, I can visualize my great grandfather. I was an old, I was, I had older parents. I was, I was born late in my parents' life. So I had all of these older people who lived to be old. My great grand, my great grandfather was a little boy when President Lincoln was assassinated. And his father took him to Lincoln's funeral train and held him up where they actually opened the casket. So he looked in the face of Abraham Lincoln and here he was holding me, looking at me as a little boy. But think about those people who were born in those, if they had the, if they had, could have recorded themselves doing nothing else, but saying, well, I'm here in Atlanta today and it's really rainy here. And, uh, but you know, I'm going to get on the streetcar and ride down to, yeah. Can you imagine in a hundred years, some of your family, being able to see you and hear you and talk to you. I wish we could get people to do more of that. Just well, simple things. You know. I guess you, you just saying that now, it kind of gives me a, an appreciation for maybe more so the extroverts and the way they use social media, because it's like, sometimes I, I kind of question, like if someone they're like reporting or reacting to something like if if you wish happy birthday to a family member online or if someone's like having a dialogue that they would otherwise have in private it, for me being more reserved I was like why, why don't you just do that in private or I was like I, I just didn't get it but like I think a friend of mine had said this and you saying it now it, it kind of reminds me of like it's it's not always what happens in the moment but then what it can be used for later. And of course there, there have been cases where it's like, you didn't need to do that online. Like, but if it's funny, I guess we can always laugh at it later or just play back over and over, but just like seeing the openness to be like, okay, like this is something that you can do. This is something that you can cherish and that can be cherished by somebody else at, at a later date when you, you may not be there to like, give them that, that experience. Yeah. And that, that's the saddest thing to me about social media is that, you know, it's so good. It, it can be far beyond my funny cat, you know, pictures mm-hmm. that I take and everything. But the worst thing about it is, especially where we are politically and, and other things is we're very powerful behind that keyboard. Mm-hmm. We are very powerful when we get behind 
behind that keyboard. But we're, we're saying things to people we would never say. Right. <laughs> it's like there always used to be an old thing about work. There, you know, you just don't talk about politics at work. Couple yeah. of things. You don't talk about religion and you don't talk about politics at work. Those are very personal things. Yeah. And, uh, and people just didn't always do that. Or if you did, everyone else fell quiet very quickly and you learned. Now yeah. we can get on our keyboard and we think we're so wonderful and powerful and so smart. We're really not. It's funny. I've always heard the term called keyboard keyboard warriors. And I guess kind of going back to the, the fighter thing, it's like, you see people on TV or even for any athlete of that sort, you have like the um, Monday morning quarterbacking where people would be like, well, if you would have just done this and that, but I think something that's been cool about getting to hear people's stories and kind of hearing the mindset that goes into it and seeing someone that I've, I've learned to respect more people kind of learning their background and also seeing someone that may be in a, journalistic role and that's just like okay i understand that's not what i do and i can be wrong like just hearing someone say that i was like okay i i respect you now even if you say something crazy the fact that you can admit that you can be wrong or proven wrong that lets me know that you're willing to kind of have a a back and forth and not just be like my way or the highway but (laughs) it's People will say wild things behind the keyboard, but then you meet them in person and they may not say anything. Right. And it's like, it's okay. Like you can, you can feel what you say. And, and maybe that's where something like comedy kind of bridges the gap where a comedian might say something wild, but it's like, I'm saying this to kind of give you an opportunity to laugh and just be like, have a little bit of a relief out because you don't want to just be angry all the time and just like, uh, why you it's like just just chill <laughs> like just relax a little yep. bit but consider what it is that you're gonna say like if if there's no repercussions to anything that you say like just sometimes it's like I'll, I'll be thinking about what we just said and I, I try not to store up too many questions in my head I usually want to just have a question to start and one to close and kind of see what what fits in the middle, but um, how can people learn more about yourself or the Atlanta video network project? Well, um, simplest thing about that is Atlanta video network.com is our website and it's Atlanta video network uh, channel on YouTube, Atlanta video network on, uh, on Facebook as well. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's it. Very simple. And uh, I like that just straight to the point. And yep. one, one thing it made me think of was the, um, when we were talking public access, I thought of the PBS network or um, it's public broadcasting service. So I know growing up in Georgia from like the year 2000, 2008, and I guess college would be to like 2013, just PBS was something that was pretty reliable as a good source of like, cartoons and just um, NPR and different things like that programs that they did, which were educational, insightful, and and just seeing like that um, 
variety of information was something I found pretty cool. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And don't forget Bob Ross, the painter. Remember? Right. The, the yes. You cannot <laughs> forget Bob Ross. It's like, I think they have it now on, on a prime video and I've watched it a few times just to be like, maybe I'll just fall asleep to this. He's like, uh, That's, one of- I was just going to say, I always just <laughs> like to watch him. His show in my area was on, on Sunday afternoon after you'd had the Sunday dinner. And, mm. you know, I, I would start to watch him. I don't think I ever saw him finish a painting. I was always asleep. At the time. <laughs> it's like, we're just going to, I see, I see some bushes back there. How about, how about we just get some little trees? And it's like, I'm sitting here like, what is this man doing? It's like, oh, oh, well, would you look at that? There is a tree there. There, there are some bushes. There's a whole, a whole scene. And I like, wouldn't have expected that. And, I'm not going to run and go get some paint and stuff now, but I'm just appreciating that, um, that moment and just that the person and the thing and with it again, being recorded, it's like, you can go back now and you have it in episodes and series. And I didn't, I don't know why, but maybe it's because I didn't watch a lot of TV growing up, but I didn't know for the longest time that a lot of these classic shows had seasons and episodes like I knew that they had episodes because it's like one day you watch this the next day you watch something else but I didn't know that it was like this is a season and this is a season this is a season it's like oh okay like every year thing all my growing up every year on tv Chris that's all we had tv Mm -hmm. you know or movies tv in September all the new shows would debut Hmm. And they would run to the summer and then you'd usually have reruns. Then usually the networks would all have a whole host of new shows coming on in September. So it was always fun to look at. And that's the same way with the automobile industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, They always change their cars models in every fall. And, and, but now of course it's just do whatever, whenever, which is great too, but those were things to look forward to. Right. But I guess that that still kind of applies because it's like 2023's cars will start coming out late, like here in a few months, probably. Oh, what what was that? What was it like? Or are you still able to work with the Corvette company? Like, what, what was that experience like? Oh, that it, it's great. Yes. Still do. Still do Corvettes. And uh, that's a wonderful experience. One, it's a great company. The people who own it are mm-hmm. fabulous. And so it's a very easy and wonderful company to work for. Um, and just seeing all the Corvettes is, is fabulous. Um, that's where I learned when I first came to Atlanta and got that job. That's where I learned so much about YouTube mm-hmm. and the analytics and what really counts in numbers and subscribers and you know, how they, what they do, they have a YouTube channel that I upload the cars to, mm-hmm. and that's all they used it for as a placeholder to have Corvettes on their website, the videos that's on their website. When you click on the website right. to see the video of a car, it takes you to their YouTube channel. So they really weren't using that. So we started doing more with that. And I mean, you can imagine Corvettes, they have 15, 20 million views. Mm-hmm. Uh, racked up and and so and the subscriber base is building. So that was very good experience for me. Yeah. But um, you know, there's another experience about Corvettes. When I decided there was a lot to do in video here, mm-hmm. I put a simple ad. So it's no matter what age you are, no matter what you're doing, as long as you have confidence in what you do and you can do it. Mm-hmm. Camcorders. 
And I thought, I'm going to see if I can go do some things because I was pretty good at even handling the little camcorder. It's a half part of the job is knowing how to make something work, whether it's your phone or a small camera, big camera, DSLR, whatever. But I put an ad on Craigslist in Atlanta for video work. Hmm. And all of a sudden, someone had auto sales. They wanted videotapes. So I went up and saw them. And it just happened to be buy of that. And uh, <laughs> so we talked and, and came up with a little deal for it. And that, that was it. So, you know, and that, that's been a very good job. That's, that's what really started the whole thing and doing video here. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, no matter where you are, if you have a passion for something, just go do it. I think we've said that before earlier in the program. <laughs> I think that they'll probably be the title for the episode because the um, like just for you is are is being around cars like Corvettes is that like something that really um, gets you going or do you like have that appreciation for the vehicle like the gears and and all of that? To this day, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> my thing is video. You know, right, it really right. is. Um, no, I don't know. I've learned a lot about the Corvettes, but I mm-hmm. don't really know it. The fun thing is to go back and see a lot of cars that in perfect shape that that was around when I was in high school. It's wonderful to see because they also sell other very high end, well taken care of cars. They only right. accept the best. So to go in and look at a 1972 Buick LeSabre in perfect shape. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That's like stepping back in time. So I love all that. No, I don't know anything about cars. I'm not a big sports person, but yet all the time I was teaching 33 years, I taught, we broadcast basketball, football games, wrestling live. I never missed a basketball game. Very rarely, maybe mm-hmm. miss five or six in 33 years, always at the basketball games, football games and everything. But people say, well, you're not that much into to all the athletics. I said, but I loved it because I was doing video. It was always about the video, how to how to make the video look good and all the things we could do and try new. And that's the same thing it is with Corvettes here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, whatever you can do, just get out there and promote yourself yeah. nicely and wisely um, in anything you're doing. But I would say specifically in video for anybody who's watching and interested in that. Um, an, another one of our clients, we, we do a lot of work very inexpensively, but we do it professionally with what we do. And during COVID, this is a very interesting story too. the Fox Theater here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. one of the fabulous theaters in America. And in 1928, when it was open, they installed one of the largest theater organs, one of those big mm-hmm. theater organs that's shaped like horseshoe yeah. in the country. It's one of the finest. And at the be- right when COVID started, they had sent that organ out to have a million dollar restoration. Mm-hmm. And part of that restoration was the company who was doing the restoration set back in an almost identical console made on the cheap, of course, when, mm-hmm. so that and it was called, they called it the temporary console, set it in so that people who went to the shows could still have that experience of the organ coming up out of the orchestra pit before a show started and all that. COVID came and everything shut down. So at the Fox Theater, we were able to go in and do, we do a lot of multi-camera productions, like live productions. Yeah. And so we went into the theater uh, empty. And of course, there was a whole crew there, well masked and everything. And we did... Uh, uh, three hour long programs with mm-hmm. what they call mighty Mo, the theater organ there. And uh, that theater organ had never 
had a video program done with it ever before. So we did one with the, the temporary console. And then, of course, they moved the new console back in when it was done. They were still shut down. So we got to do two more programs with the, uh, with the brand new console, which is beautiful. And like I said, people, that was a big, big viewership on those because um, all around the world, there are people who still love that. And like I said, Mighty Mo, one of the top theater organs in the world, um, had never been videotaped before. And so those are just things that I kind of like to promote things to people and say, Hey, you know, we, here's, here's an example of what we can do. And, and we do it pretty well. And we can do this for a lot less money than, than, you know, big time professional company could come in and do. And so that's how things work. Just, we can't use for the title of the show. We can't use the just do it. Isn't that one of the athletic shoes? Isn't that? Uh, probably, but we well, can use just hit record. Just yes, hit record. we can. We can do that. Whatever. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I, I'm, I'm curious to know what is it about video that just that attracts you to it so much. So because I, with TikTok being a big thing now, like you scroll through there, you you meet a whole different bunch of people. And I saw this one guy that came up with this gimbal where it's like a backpack that he wears with a cantilever overhead and he has it here and it kind of like moves around and he, they've got the mics and they'll have like one or two other guys with him. So there'll be like a, a crew of three to four people capturing different angles and things like that from um, the ceremony. And just like seeing the excitement of him talking to his wife and describing like his setup at home where he's like, I tried this. It didn't work. I, I moved it like this. I moved it like that. And then you just see some of his work. It, it almost, it gives it the, that like cinematic experience. Like no one is like, it's like you're there watching it, but it's almost like you can't tell somebody filmed it. Although you're watching something that's clearly been filmed, but like what, What's that excitement for you that you get from video in things that you may not be familiar with or like get overly involved with, with the stats and the figures and that, but like, you're just like, Hey, there's, I can videotape it. I can make it look better. Like, what is it about that? Or where does that come from for you? Well, uh, in one respect, I guess I would answer that by saying, you know, video production is an art form. You know, it, it, it's very technical and you get to play with all this neat equipment, which is great fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also an art form. Um, when you're into production, you're th- you're thinking, even though you say these people have the cameras and the backpacks and the run, they're th- they've already thought about what they're going to do, right. what they think yeah. would be interesting. So you're you're planning that whole painting that you're putting together. Um, and it's fun to do that. Not only when you're shooting. But when you're shooting, you're also thinking ahead to the editing that you will do. Mm. So it, it's a creative process that starts before you ever get there. The other fun thing about doing video, and like I mentioned, live productions and mm-hmm. things that we go out and do. If One of the fun things for me is I always like to go to events. But one of the mm. great things about video is that you become a part of the event as well. Mm. So when we do a show with a political candidate, I thought all, most all of the, the, because of the kind of work I do, most all of the Democratic candidates for president the last time, um, we were up close and personal doing interviews with all of them. 
either in set down situations or, or quick, more quick on the street things. And, and it's fun when you can be on the inside mm. of events going on. And that's really fun, you know, yeah. and it doesn't make any difference years ago when we used to do city council meetings in my hometown live on television. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun to be there, to be a part. You're, you're an important part of that, you know, with, you're with the mayors, you're with the city council people. So I guess that's part of being a part of neat things that are going on and being able to create that artistic thing. I don't care if it's a city council meeting, you still can be artistic about it in the kinds of shots you get and how you do the program. So that's a good point. I like that, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Being on the podcast with me is a pleasure having you on getting a chance to hear some of your insights, hear your background, where you came from and what you're getting into now. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. You have you have amazing people on, and I'm I'm kind of honored that that you know I could be one of those today. And but most importantly, um, I thank you for what you're doing because you're doing a good thing. You're doing a great service, a good thing, and you're 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 managing your section of the internet so well. And I appreciate watching. Thank you, sir. 